In a time when evildoers parade their agenda before the world without shame. In a world where absolutes are being challenged and changed. In a society where truth is relative. Welcome to a podcast that will edify, encourage, and empower you. A podcast that will speak God's truth in love. I'm your host, Myron Powell. Thank you for subscribing and listening to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Welcome to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. And I know I keep saying I'm excited, but I certainly am because I am getting to interview a number of people all across the country. And it's just so exciting to talk to various ministers from various backgrounds, in various roles, uh, young, old, in between. And it's just a great, great opportunity. So I hope it's blessing you, the listener, as much as it's blessing me. But today, I have a very special honor, and that is to interview a friend, a brother, and a young man that has allowed me to be a mentor in his life, Brother Demetrius Minor. He's from Florida, and uh, just a great young man of God. He's got a great history. He's written a couple of books. I recommend looking him up. And uh, with all of that, Brother Demetrius, introduce yourself to our audience today. Bishop, it is definitely a pleasure and an honor to join you on your podcast. I've been looking forward to this with high expectation. Uh, my name is Demetrius Minor. I'm out of Tampa, Florida, where I attend Tampa Life Church. My pastor is Reverend Robert Tisdale. Pleasure to um, serve in the capacity of ministry with my wife here at the church, Um I'm the public affairs liaison, and I am also one of the ministers um, here in the assembly. And as aforementioned, I've authored a couple of books. All that to say, I I, I run my mouth a lot. So um. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you've also done some work in the political spectrum. Um, yes. I believe you worked, I, I know for sure, with uh, President Obama, but did you also work with President George W. Bush? So I interned for President George W. Bush. Uh, I I did not work on, in the Obama administration, but okay. I I've met I met Obama prior to his election of president. He was senator at the senator at the time. That's right. That's right. My political background includes being a White House intern, a talk show, radio, and producer, and also columnist. So. Um, yeah. Been around the block for a little bit. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I've had the privilege of being on uh, Stacy on the Right show. You've helped orchestrate a, a few interviews on that, and great to see her excelling uh, as well. And uh, yeah. you know, getting the message She's out there. Great. She's yeah. doing great. I'm yeah. very happy for. Her. And in a recent, uh, as of a year ago, I'm privileged to be a part of Governor Ron DeSantis' Faith and Community initiative for the state of Florida. And I say that because um, that is not affiliated with his presidential campaign. So I do want to make that distinction. <laughs> right, right, right. He's done a great job in Florida. So he has, yeah. he has, um, especially um, in light of COVID. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were many um, restrictions and lockdowns in, in other states. He was very uh, kind and um, he had a very helpful posture towards churches and faith-based institutes to ensure that we were able to conduct our services 
and, and gather as we see fit um, during um, the pandemic. So that is something that we we'll always be grateful for. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, again, it is it is a great honor to have you on here today, and I know uh, we want to get to the heart of the topic. And so as, as we open up, and I've been asking this question of many, and of course, every answer has had similarities, but also there's been a number of different uh, variables that I had not even considered myself. So I'm hoping that our listeners are gleaning from this, because I certainly am. And so our first question today is, how do you with all of your experience, your life at this point, your marriage, all of those factors, how do you define the cost of ministry? That's an excellent question. For me, it's one word that comes to my mind, discomfort. Hmm. Two weeks ago, my pastor asked me to speak, uh, to be the feature speaker at our men's retreat. And um, I was honored but yet uncomfortable. <clears throat> it was my first time speaking solely to a group of men. I'll have your audience to know I'm 38 years old, so um, not yet 40. Don't believe I've really hit the prime of my life. <laughs> right, right. I've only been married for, for four years. I'm not a father, and uh, my father is no longer here. I've Unfortunately, I've buried both of my parents. Yes. So I I did not feel qualified sure. to to have that position to to speak to the men, but I I felt the Lord give me a message not just to the men, but for me personally, and that is about the conflict of comfort hmm. that naturally we gravitate towards comfort. The more comfortable we become, the more confident we become in our own natural abilities. And so the more nat the more comfortable we become in our abilities, the less dependent we become on God. And so I felt that in order for me to go to that next level or to a higher dimension in ministry, there has to be a level of discomfort. I, I have to feel comfortable addressing a group of men knowing that my father is absent because now wow. it forces me to depend upon my heavenly father. Mm. Something that I is more than just singing about it or preaching about it or talking about it. Now I have to experience God in that specific capacity. Mm. And Sure, it would have been easy for my dad to be here and for me to call him. He was a former pastor himself and for, for him to give me some ideas and suggestions. But I felt God is saying, okay, your support system, your your natural born support system is not there. Who are you going to turn to? Yeah, I need you to look at me or turn to me to fill the void that you're facing in your life. And so... Comfort is something that we physically want, but it's not always spiritually beneficial. And so that's something recently that I'm coming to terms with as far as what's essential for ministry. I do believe that everyone at some point in their life, and it all it will vary from person to person, will have to experience discomfort. Hmm. You know, and of course, knowing your story and 
being on the other end of that phone call when you, you know, shared with your the loss of your dad. And then, of course, preaching this event, dads are the lens by which we see God. You know, they're, they're, right. that, they're that first glimpse of what we see a father. And, of course, in a, in a, for those that are good lenses, those that are proper, it helps us to have a frame of reference to understand God. Right. And so that being removed, that variable no longer there, I can imagine the difficulty of that. You know, you, you mentioned this conflict of comfort. And I love that title, by the way. And uh, you could send me those notes if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, absolutely, I've been more happy. Or, or I'll just have you come. You preach can add it. to them if you don't mind. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But talk to us a little bit about you know you've given a, a real life example, and I love that. Can you think of a, a biblical example of? you know, what you just described, a person or, you know, maybe a couple of persons that dealt with sure. that. Yeah. So talk about that for a minute. So the first example that comes to mind um, is presented in Second Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. And if you don't mind, I like to read it from the English Standard Version. Please. It says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with them and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, <clears throat> the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, uh, I'm quoting here, I am pregnant. Mm. All right. well, I believe this is a story that most of us are familiar with, sure. um, David um, Bathsheba. There's a couple of things in this passage of Scripture, Bishop that stand out to me. Number one, David sent his servants out to do a job that he was purposed to do. Yep. He was called to do. David remained at home while the other kings are out to battle. <laughs> all right. So battle and war and all that wasn't something that David was comfortable doing at that time. Mm -hmm. So he sent someone else to do it which was mistake number one. The Bible says that late one afternoon, David arose from his couch. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. So it's later in the day. David is on his couch. Now, when people come home from a long day at work or whatever, when they walk home, they tend, and I'm speaking in a general sure, sense, I sure. understand society. We, most of us, myself, work remotely. But for people that work at a physical location, when you come home, you kick your shoes off, you take off your work clothes, put on your pajamas or comfortable house attire, mm -hmm. right? You get in your lazy boy or you, you lay on the couch. Because the couch symbolizes 
comfort. Yeah. Right. Wow. So David, David doesn't have his armor on. Mm-mm. David doesn't, is not wearing any type of heavy equipment. Mm-mm. David's chilling at the house. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's chilling at the crib. He's just relaxing. Mm-hmm. Later on in the evening, you know, cool weather, the suns go down, sun's probably starting to set. Yep. <laughs> it's designed for him to be comfortable. So I felt the Lord speak to me. Talking about David was supposed to be at war, but instead he's at home, mm. comfortable. We would never defeat the enemy from a position of comfort. Never. But we will defeat him from a position of authority. If David was sitting on his throne, he would have been in a position of authority. Mm-hmm. But because he was on his couch, he was in a position of comfort. He was physically comfortable, but spiritually vulnerable. So it was not just the fact that Bathsheba was bathing on the roof and then he sees her. I mean, he did what any normal man would do when you see something abnormal like that. Of of course, you're going to be like, wow, what's going on here? But he was not able to resist that temptation Mm. because emotionally, mentally, he was too comfortable. Yeah. He was, he did not prep himself to be in a position to combat his weakness, his lust, and the temptation that came his way. Mm -hmm. So he fell into sin. Because he was more concerned about being physically comfortable, which caused him to be spiritually vulnerable. The second biblical example I have is the book of Jonah. It's the last chapter, chapter four. And Jonah has just completed his brief pilgrimage to the uh, belly of a large fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's already checked out of that hotel. Oh, you, yeah. you would think, you would think he would have learned his lesson. Nope. <laughs> and say, hey, you know what, God? All right, I, I'm a knucklehead. I tried to do it my way. I disobey. Okay, I get it. Hey, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do, no questions asked. I'm all in. But the Bible says that as Jonah is um, going out of the city. He begins to get hot. And the Bible says that he sat under a shade and that the Lord appointed a plant. In the King James Version, it's called a gourd, but that's translated or interpreted to be a plant Mm -hmm. to provide some shade from the sun for Jonah. And so the Bible says Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that the plant withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he became faint. Jonah asked that he might die. He literally said, it is better for me to die than to live. 
But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah said, yes, I do. And the Lord said, no, excuse me, Jonah said, I'm well enough to be angry, angry enough to die. Mm. God responded to Jonah with this. He says, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in one night and it perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 people mm. who do not know their right hand from their left. So God is rebuking Jonah because he says, Jonah, you have your priorities mixed up. Yep. You're willing to die. And I, and I believe that that death is not just physical, it's spiritual, it's emotional. You're willing to die for something that you didn't even deserve in the first place. You didn't work for it. You didn't labor for it. You didn't earn it. You contributed absolutely nothing to the temporary comfort hmm. that I provided you. But you're more concerned about your personal comfort than the fact that there are people in your city who don't know their right from their left. Wow. There's people, there's people whose lives mm. are hanging in the balance, and you're more concerned about your personal comfort. Wow. So Jonah became selfish because he became too comfortable. And so what we're seeing in this passage of scripture, we're seeing some side effects of comfort, entitlement, laziness, mm -hmm. self-centeredness, mm -hmm. complacency, and probably the, one of the most alarming of it all, being deaf to the voice of God. Mm. So those are these are two passages of scripture that show us that Yes, comfort is something that we naturally seek. There's nothing wrong with having natural comfort. Right, right. But we're also seeing that when you rely too much on comfort, mm. you make yourself spiritually vulnerable and you lose sight of the mission that God has put within us. Mm. And that's to reach a lost and dying world. You know, everything you just said there in both of those examples is is actually the negative side of the cost of ministry, meaning, you know, it's one thing to pay with our lives to pay the price and, and feel a sense of worth that we've done this, we've put God first in our lives. But what you've described is those who unknowingly and or knowingly pay that price and sacrifice in a negative way an opportunity to stay right with God. You know, Jonah ends with God asking a question that Jonah never answers. It's one of the few books that ends with a question. God asks a question and Jonah's like, I ain't talking anymore. You know? And it's like, You're excuse right. me? <laughs> you, you're one of the few people in the world that can claim you've had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the Almighty and you ain't going to answer him? Right. Ah. You know, David, yes, we know, um, you know, he... he Turns out right with God, Psalm fifty one, all that, but man, he, God's he, on life. Yeah, he hides it. He then tries to, you know, get Uriah to cover it up for him, and then kills him. And result, and 
you know, and so don't yeah. don't pay that cost. You know, let right. God let God get you out of that comfort zone. So, wow, that was a mouthful there, and I appreciate that. Discomfort is the price of ministry. Yes, yes, right. So you're we're not going to always be able to pursue what we have naturally. And mm. so we've heard countless stories of individuals who had a skill set. To, to to be an athlete, to 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 go out and make millions of dollars in in the secular world, but there was a call of God on their life that, mm-hmm. you know, if sure if they would have pursued that secular calling or that um, that their secular giftings, they would have been um, financially well off, but they allowed themselves to be in a more uncomfortable setting because the work of God the purpose of God, the calling of God was more important. Mm. Those are examples of natural discomforts. Yeah. But you know what? They're not as naturally comfortable as they may be, but they're more spiritually equipped. Yes. Combat the forces of hell and darkness that are coming against them than those who are just seeking physical comfort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, what I'm about to ask, I want you to be as vulnerable or not. I'm not asking any more than you're willing to share, but what would be, and would you be willing to describe maybe a great challenge? You've already alluded to a couple of things that are certainly challenging when it comes to serving in ministry, but what might be something that you've, you've dealt with and or somebody very close to you that is related to answering God's call and then I would add to that, even even in fulfilling God's call. That's a great question. <laughs> I would say that prior to me being married, there was some level of political ambition. Sure. And when I met my wife, she didn't have an appetite for that at all. No, I don't want you to, I don't want to be in the public eye. I don't want to you to necessarily run for office. N- not not saying that I had a desire to seek public office, but politics and government has always been something that's been appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking, I gravitated towards it because of examples of Joseph, um, Daniel right. um, being used in the political sphere. But having a spouse that does not share that appetite. I wouldn't say it didn't cause me to not be involved anymore, but it forced me to scale back those mm-hmm. ambitions right. because of the sacrificial love that is required. So if I have to love my wife as Christ loves the church, that that requires sacrifice and doing some things that I may not want to do. Now, as long as it's not violating my morals and my principles and the biblical standard um, for how to live, that is one example. Another thing, too, is I got married at the age of 33. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was in my Jesus year. (laughs) Um, There you go. (laughs) Right. Having to adapt to meet the the needs of my wife and what she's looking for was, and quite honestly, continues to be 
a struggle mm-hmm. because especially as a man set in my ways, uh, been doing things my way X amount of years into now all of a sudden adapt and take someone else with you on that journey. Um, I think that many times it's easier said than done, easier said than done, mm-hmm. and something that cannot be done overnight. And it also requires that one thing that you and I are both smart enough not to pray for, but we need, that is patience. Amen. Uh, so I've also learned, and I, I really hope this is answering the question, mm-hmm. I've also learned that God will reveal to you your prayers. Mm. Uh, and your need for growth and capacity mm-hmm. personally and ministerially through your spouse. So I have prayed, I have prayed in private what my wife has revealed to me or suggested to me in public. Right. And, or regarding, excuse me, she may not necessarily say it in public, but it's regarding how I may act in public or how I may be in public as a reflection of a private prayer. Mm. And so, um, and there's times when I wanted to be like, well, she has no idea what she's talking about. And then the Lord <laughs> replay to me mm-hmm. what I pray. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, that's why you're God and I'm not. There you go. I hope that answers the question as someone who's being honest and saying that, I am of a certain age, and sometimes, yeah. many times, there's stubbornness sure. that's involved in that. There's yeah. that temptation to only see things through your lens, mm-hmm. and it requires an act of selflessness that I'm still learning to do. Yeah, absolutely. That, that more than answers the question. Thank you. I think, too, if we could turn that coin over for a minute, you know, yeah. our— Wives, and if it's a, a woman that's a minister and she marries and she's already ministering, her husband, like it or not, they're accepting that ministry call. Yes. That doesn't mean they'll ever stand behind that pulpit or you know act in in a certain way per you know necessarily. But you know when when Shannon married me, I'm already called. I'm already been preaching. I've already been evangelizing. You know she's marrying into the ministry, and. Right. You know, seven years later, that call took us four hours from her home, where we we were in Augusta for seven years, Augusta, Maine. You know, but seven years later, God called us, and that was a huge step for her. Now, fast yeah. forward ten more years in 2010, and God calls us to Omaha. We're not just four hours away from Augusta; we're now 24 hours away from Augusta, and yeah. and, and a whole new time zone. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, literally, and and Shannon. You know, I, I the older I get, the more I appreciate that, you know, she was willing to make that sacrifice and be discomforted, you know, being away yeah. from her family. And so, yeah. you know, I, I'm also hearing the other side of this. If if Raisa was on this call with us, you know, she might be not countering you or 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 contrasting you, you know, in a negative way, but yet also showing another aspect yeah. of that of that cost. Right. And I think that is a challenge that a lot of people need to hear because more and more young people are waiting until they're in their you know mid to late twenties and sometimes even even into their thirties before they're getting married. And right. the more you are 
independent that way, and then two of you becoming one flesh, you're now, you know, having to fight through a lot more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, than, yeah. yeah. Shannon and I were, only, were were we were 20. I don't recommend getting married at 20, but it worked for us. And 30 years later, we're we're growing strong. But you know, yeah. you had 13 more years of of that independence and setting your ways and, you know, doing things the way you do it. And now all of a sudden all that changes. And so, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a great answer. And, and we, we live in a society that's all about the individual. Right. Right. Yeah. Selfies. Right. Exactly. Selfies. Yeah. Speak your truth. Yep. Which I want to go off on a tangent here, but <laughs> the, he is the way the truth and the life, right? Bingo. So anything opposite of that mm-hmm. is a lie. That's right. But but society um, has this anti-God stance where you can speak your truth, where you can seek self-validation, right. even if that is contrary to the Word of God. And, and, and so within this indoctrination, you know, um, is, hey, you, you don't need a man, you don't need a woman, Focus on yourself. Focus on your career. And in some cases, those are um, that can be meaningful advice. But the Bible calls for us to be together. Yes, and um, we have to keep that in mind as we live in a progressive world that is, as each day goes by, straying more and more away from biblical values. Instead of in and and just having that desire to embrace man-made opinions, and we have to be very mindful of that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Well, I wish we could talk for another couple of hours, but uh, it feels like it's only been a couple minutes. I know, I know, but uh, I'm sure our listeners, although I'm sure they're enjoying it, you know, might want us to have a little bit of brevity here, but. Before we do go, and again, thank you so much for your time today and being here with me. Uh, Thank God for technology. You're you're in Florida. I'm here in in uh, Nebraska, and yet we're still able to connect. And yes, so that's been great. But before we go, what would be some advice that you could give um, to those who maybe are grappling with answering the call of God, or maybe they're, you know, God's calling them to a ministry that to them might be something that they didn't plan for or think about or even aspire to or whatever, what might be some advice that you could share that would help them? There's no greater calling than the work of God. No greater call. When God embeds a calling, when he plants a calling into you, He's essentially imparting his nature into you. He is imparting his desires. He is imparting his passions into you. No matter how far you try to walk away from it or how many times you try to ignore it, you will always feel that call upon you. Yeah. Because it is the nature of God that has been imparted into you. Nothing else matters. The only thing that matters, the 
only thing that matters is the kingdom of God. Mm. I wanted to someone who's listening and may not know where to start or how that looks. There's a couple things here. First of all, I'm saying that it's the only thing that matters because time is short. The kingdom of God is at hand at any time. He can rapture us at at any moment. And what's done for Christ is the only thing that's going to last. Amen. If you have trouble or uncertainty on where to start, I would strongly, strongly suggest having that talk with your spiritual leadership, your pastor, your youth pastor, and sharing with them what you're feeling, what your interests are. And let me tell you something. They're going to welcome this conversation. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's so much work that needs to be done. Yes. One man, one woman can't do it all. No. We The Bible says the, the harvest is ready, yep. but the laborers, laborers are few. We need laborers. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to have that talk with your pastoral leadership, who's going to help you navigate mm. through the journey of your calling, because you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. You're going to have periods of uncertainties. And if you're not spirit-led, when you're in the valleys, because you'll get there, and when you're in the hills, because we all will get there or have been there at mm -hmm. some point, you will feel discouragement. But it's important that you're submitted to spiritual leadership yes. that's going to help you get to where you need to be, yes. to where God can use you the way yes. that he sees I want to add on to that and, and speak to my fellow pastors that are out there. When this happens, when this young person, young man, young lady come to you, welcome them with open arms. Remember yes. how you felt when God called you, and remember we're building the kingdom, not our castles. And and so in, in, invite them in, you know, empower them, equip them. Jesus invested and poured Himself into others, and it's it's. Let me tell you, it's the greatest experience. And so it is excellent advice, excellent advice, Brother Demetrius. Thank you so much for sharing that, and again for your time today. Please say hi to your lovely wife, and uh, I will tell her that she's right. <laughs> I won't. No, I'm just. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, am I going to pull up my bishop card? <laughs> I'm, I'm dialing Raisa right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Let me let me very quickly. Yeah, because you said that in jest, but. Very quickly, if I can just have one final add-on, please, to especially to a young person who who may be listening to this. If there is anything within the suggestions that I've given, if there's anything that I've said that your pastor, your spiritual authorities disagree with, I'm wrong. Your pastor's right. Amen. Always listen to the voice of God and the voice of your pastor, yes, which is filtered through the voice of God. Yes. Excellent advice. Excellent add-on advice. <laughs> Thank you again <laughs> so much. Well, to all of our listeners, it's a pleasure to be in your ear for these few moments that we share with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast. 
Uh, please share it with your friends. And if you do have questions, email us at rightlydividingwot at gmail.com. In the meantime, I pray your day is blessed in Jesus' name. We'll see you next time.